Hello, Billy here, host of Even Baddies Wear Helmets, the podcast all about kids' telly and the brilliant people who get to make it. I've got a quick question for you. What do the following things have in common? A vampire, an alien, a dump truck, and a panda with a PhD. Stumped? They've all been portrayed on screen by this week's guest. Rasmus Hardiker is an actor from the West Midlands who you may recognise from shows like Krypton, Black Mirror, Saxondale and Lead Balloon. However, he's performed in a whole host of roles you may not recognise him from, the reason being that you wouldn't have seen his face. As a voiceover artist, Rasmus has given life to countless characters for children's animation. To name but a few, he is Alpha the Elf in Hilda, Rhesus Negative the Vampire in Scream Street, Count Duckula in Danger Mouse, both Scott and Alan Tracy in Thunderbirds Are Go, Walter in Dennis and Nasher, and I could go on, but there's just too many. I was very excited to chat to Rasmus about what it takes to give voice to so many characters, and what he's learned about children's shows from his unique place within them. This episode was a lot of fun to record, so I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, Rasmus Hardiker. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Billy? I'm not bad. I'm not Good. bad. I've, I've, I don't know. I've gotten quite into jigsawing recently. Okay. Well, which is that's... a bit of a uh, worrying development, <laughs> I think. <laughs> anyway, we're here to speak about voiceover work for animation. And mm. you have lent your voice to so many different shows from Hilda to Thunderbirds I'll Go. Mm. Um, at what point did you realise you had a knack for doing voices, which sounds like a very reductive way to describe the, the talent involved. Was it something you've always done? Were you the kid who did impressions of teachers at school? I mean, yeah, it, that's exactly it. I was, from from a really young age, you know, just watching uh, my favourite cartoons, um, Transformers and, and Turtles, Thundercats, all that kind of stuff. You would just sort of do impressions of the characters on screen and it's something I'd always wanted to do. And kind of like vocal effects and just silly things really that turned into um something you know obviously a bit more serious and it was something I'd always wanted to to uh be involved with I just didn't I didn't think that that I would be you know so it's um yeah very very uh very thankful for that in terms of being an actor then having mm. you know like that that obsession with 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 doing it and with the shows was it was that the goal was it something you were like oh well, okay I've got this skill therefore I will I will become an actor yeah but but again you know it's one of those things that how do you actually do it and and that's the question uh, how do you get into it rather and that's the question that I get asked most and that is just the one I I, I just don't have an answer for it's it's such um it's a, a mixture of right time right place luck um who you know that kind of stuff um but it is yeah it is definitely something I always wanted to do was to be an actor always it seems like a quite um mysterious area of acting I don't know if that's a I mean I'm not an actor so it might not be a fair assessment but in the sense that you know do you, do, is it something that you get trained in it, I mean you can you certainly can be uh, trained in it but it's I, I think the training is really on the job and it's down to um, people uh, casting directors producers directors to give somebody that that sort of first opportunity to learn the ropes and and learn on the job and and you know it's a lot of people always say oh yeah no I I can do a bunch of voices well it's 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 not that there's a there's a 
a hearty discipline that that you can really only learn on the job and uh, and you know once once you get used to it it sort of becomes second nature you know microphone technique and how to um uh, how to avoid popping the microphone and 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 all these kind of techniques that that you really can only learn by doing it i guess and the first time you did it am i right in saying that it was groove high um the first time i did yeah that yeah good um <laughs> she's checked imdb <laughs> yeah. the the very first time i did it actually was um was for a uh, it was for cartoon network and there were two shows that um that were um uh, that that had pilots so those were the two very first having done a lot of kind of live action and, and sitcom stuff before how did you come to those roles then was it something that you were approached for it, this is really interesting because I, I had a slight feeling that you might ask me this and I was trying to trace it back and <laughs> I don't really know I should probably talk to my agent about this um I remember that I did I don't know if it's coincidence or not but um I did uh, a radio play called oh gosh was it um I think it was called Blue-Eyed Boy and as far as I know I I don't know if um I was suggested for this cartoon network thing or if they heard that and and asked for me I genuinely I don't know how it all worked out but I thought oh wow this is this is something I've always wanted to do is is voice work and so I went into uh, just went into the um into the castings and and got the the roles for the pilots amazing and I suppose then opens up a whole kind of you know floodgate of once you've once you've done one <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah absolutely does and and then you get to meet people along the way and it was uh I um Groove High uh was uh, directed uh by um David Friedman who's an incredible talent and uh, such a nice guy and it's it's interesting to note that when you do uh, a show there are lots of ancillary characters um and and there might be a, a cast of 5 for example so um in the room at the time um the director might say okay we've got a a a, a character here he's um uh, a goth boy, a um, bit moody, um, who wants to do it? And then you, you either put your hand up or he, he'll go Raz or whoever. And then you just, with that, you you, you get something to sort of sink your teeth into so then you can build a, a vocal character pretty quickly, which you you kind of have to do it very quickly. Um, that, that idea of being put on the spot sounds so interesting to me that you're kind of, <laughs> as you say, learning on the job, that suddenly you're like, oh, no, I can, I can do that and finding things and discovering things as you go. Yeah, and I think it's really important for... Um, for uh, you know any actor um particularly young actors or people just starting this that it's the most important thing um is to be professional um for me as well i i tend to sort of thrive under pressure when it comes to um finding a character or, or spot reading so me personally i don't like to be overly familiar with the material so I oftentimes won't read the script um, ahead of time. And I think, and, and that is a choice because I, I think you can, and I found this so many times, the gut reaction is is just a one-off because after that, you know the context and you know exactly what's happening and you, can own, you, you can't unlearn that then. Mm-hmm. And there's something so beautiful about stumbling onto something accidentally. And you'll always do more than one take. I mean, you know, that's that's just a fact. Um, so the director will, in 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 uh, many cases, redirect you. Um, but there's just something so magical and beautiful about that one chance to just give it your 
gut reaction and it might be wrong and oftentimes is and there's you know nothing wrong with that but something in there might just be magic um it might be a mispronunciation of a word or something that's just and that lends itself more so to comedy um mm. with thunderbirds that that was um a slightly different uh, approach I, I would be extremely familiar with those scripts and um uh, as a drama you need to hit the the right sort of tones but you know if if you're coming into it like Dennis and Nasha for example um the characters uh, that I play in there just lend themselves so wonderfully to comedy and I think that comedy timing is essential uh, from a gut reaction standpoint it's really lovely to hear that there's a, a playfulness in the the process as well as as the final result um mm. can we talk a bit more about that that creation of character like once yeah where do, you, where do you start with with finding a character's voice? So it'll oftentimes um, be either in the room um, at the time of record or uh, on a, a, a brief. They'll send you a Bible beforehand, maybe with a, a sketch of the characters and just a little bit about them. Um, and you can kind of uh, sink your teeth into it that way and 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 if if your again gut reaction is correct then you'll tend to just start with that and branch outwards um conversely it could be completely different they they want this let's say for example we're in the room and and you and you know um the director says okay this is um a big heavy set american uh guy he's a gangster and automatically you kind of think this, yeah, this big kind of dude here who's, you know, going to do all this kind of stuff. But they might want the opposite of that. They might want him for comedy purposes to be British and, or, you know, a bit sort of squeaky and all the rest, <laughs> you know, just to sort of juxtaposition what he looks like. And I, yeah. it, it all just really comes down to in the room. And you just touched upon uh, playing around. I mean, if you get the right group of people, it's just essential um, and it just creates this sort of back and forth and you can have a laugh and you can be really loose with the characters. And I think if if you are given that latitude, um, that's a real gift. Um, I, you know, different people direct in different ways or produce in different ways and um, the sort of micromanaging is fine, but it, it just doesn't lend itself to that creativity. So um, in in most sessions, you 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 tend to be given the latitude and the space helps. to yeah, yeah. To, to improvise and discover things exactly and, and... i love improv I, I mean that is my absolute favorite thing to do um when recording is you just sort of uh make stuff up and and throw as much stuff at the wall and see what sticks right yeah wicked um and and you mentioned like bibles and stuff like that how much do you tend to get a sense of the visual world of, of the characters that you're playing is that something that comes later on like at what stage in the process do you go okay this is what this looks like and and I don't know I suppose I'm something I'm interested in is is this idea of different cartoon worlds like the, mm. you know with something like Scream Street you've got stop motion yeah versus like the more sort of CGI Thunderbirds are go kind of worlds that that sort of give you a frequency or, or a register to to play with if that makes sense like it, it, knowing yeah what to pitch. absolutely um the I will say every show is different every single show is different it depends how far along they are in production how um some shows you you might not get anything at all it's just at script stage and there'll be a producer in the room or on the line just to say well this is you know this is the world you know explain a little bit um and then you know with with thunderbirds they you know they, they already have this this huge um historical lineage and they had done 
uh, you know, they were a lot further in their world from 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 the the, the CGI uh, designs to the actual sets because Thunderbirds was fifty fifty. Um, they 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 had built all of that stuff um, oh, really? over at Weta Workshop. Yeah, it was uh, all actual sets with uh, CG. Uh, what was the scale of that? Um, quite big. I think uh, we, we we've seen many videos and pictures. I think um, I think there are a couple of Tracy Islands, one smaller, one bigger. Uh, the larger one was gosh i don't know the size of a room maybe Whoa. maybe maybe yeah like a living room it was pretty pretty impressive extremely so impressive cool. in fact. Yeah. like a pocket tracy island yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah so I, th- I think it really depends on on the show um yeah depends every show is different and you've voiced such a I mean, wide variety of characters. Do you do you know how many you've done in total? Do you keep tabs? I do. You know what? I really don't. I was thinking. I I really don't know. I I think episodically it's it's around two thousand episodes of cartoons. That's crazy. Um, I, as far as characters, hundreds, possibly possibly a thousand. I don't. I have no idea. Is um, there anything that um, with the? I mean, suppose the the more kind of recurring roles is there anything that ties them together anything that you particularly look for in a character that's a good question um i love i love the again the latitude to be silly but still on task i mean it can't be gratuitous you you can't Mm. just be silly for the sake of it but you i i like the mispronunciation of words i like i like when a character is a fool but also isn't i know that's that's a a little um it's a a little hard to explain but (laughs) i i really love when cartoons don't talk down to children Mm. because children i mean it's they're just so intelligent and i learned a lot of words from watching cartoons that i I wouldn't have if if they hadn't have included them um so I, I really like that and, and they get the humor. And not only that, a lot of parents watch these cartoons and you want something for them as well to go, you know, a, a joke that might go over a kid's head, the the adult will get. So I like those sorts of situations and I like having, um, again, just that freedom to, to play around. And the style of humor is often so kind of, I mean, there's such a mixture, but it's so sophisticated. Yeah. And like you say, like those jokes that are that are potentially pitched for adults. I think there's like, I've watched a whole, there was like an episode of Danger Mouse, I think, that was about tax evasion, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is just, it's genius. And it's, I don't think I've laughed harder than than watching that in a long time. Yeah, those um, guys, I mean, just <laughs> just so funny. And you, you, I mean, you look at the people who were in the, who, who were in that show. I mean, it's, um, it's uh, you know, comedy gold, really. If you tell me a little bit, I mean, this is something that I'm completely kind of ignorant of, but interested in is, I mean, what the recording sessions are actually like. So say you're working on a series that has kind of 10 to 15 minute episodes. How long do those those sessions last? How many episodes are you getting through? So again depends on the show and and the and the, the scheduling of of um, the actors and uh, if if you're all in together which is really the ideal situation um so we'll turn up um normally i again ideally um we'll turn up to the studio um we'll say good morning everyone will be there uh, or as many of the cast as possible we'll have a coffee all of that kind of stuff we'll go into the booth we'll have our scripts and we'll oftentimes start on page 1 
and we'll do it scene by scene um, most of the time, and then we'll go back and do uh, pickups uh, or run the scene again, probably, and then and then do um, pickups. Then we'll move on, and an eleven-minute uh, script will take somewhere in the region of two to three hours, depending on the complexity and wow. the amount of people involved. So we can get through. I would say on average about three, three, maybe four scripts at a time. But I, I would say, I would say, three would be the most sort of uh, typical uh, f- for a full day. Um, you can just come in and, and do one script, or um, you know. Uh, and then if when it gets to animatic stage, which is the sort of um, the storyboard stage based on on the voice script so you do the script first uh, most often um then they will do a, a rough animatic um and then you can uh, then they will animate it as well then you come back and do pickups and you know if the animators uh, had a, a different idea or it doesn't quite work or there was a just a you know a, a mispronounced word or um indeed you know just the wrong intention um then you'll come in and, and do those pickups and I know with um, uh, Thunderbirds that you, I mean, you play two of the the brothers, but also the, yeah. they tried as much as possible to to get you all in the room together. Yes. Um, is that fairly common or, or are you often recording stuff on, on your own? Um, I would, yeah, it, it, it is pretty common because that's the ideal situation. So for for Thunderbirds, for Dennis and Nasha, um, um, not, not so much Hilda, um, although you would be in the room maybe with one or two people um uh but a, a lot of the times you 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 do record um on your own thomas and friends for example um was strictly um on your own um danger mouse i i was pretty much on my own but you, i mean it's you know in the studio you see people like you just go in come out and then uh, the other person goes in and does their bit yeah, and it's kind of like I mean, if if it's being cut together uh, later on, you are recording by yourself. Do you then have to give more options in a way? Is there sort of in case one actor delivers something in a certain way? Is, is yeah, that true? yeah. You 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 tend to give like um, when you when you do the recording originally, you'll do several takes. Um, let's say the minimum is three um, for a scene, and you'll you'll do it in different ways. Um, and if it doesn't quite match what somebody else did and what they did is better, then yeah, you come in and react uh, accordingly. And in terms of uh, voice directors, how mm-hmm. what what are those working relationships like? Is it, how does that differ to direction in in live action? Um, there's, I mean, so many similarities. Um, it's, but of course, the the obvious one is it's you're not having to to move or, or find your marks or anything like that it's it's purely uh, vocally and 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 performance wise and the relationship uh, yeah again depends on on it depends on the director um it changes um my favorite sort of working relationships are, the, are those that we you know it's sort of simpatico and uh you go you go away uh, you go again straight away instead of sort of laboring on 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 every word because you you feel sometimes that um, you you do one take and you know exactly what uh, how to fix it um, immediately, um, and then you get that opportunity. And oftentimes you will correct many of the things that that were noted. And if you don't, then you go back a third time and, and do that. So I, I think that's that's probably the ideal 
um, relationship. And and honestly, you know, you work with these people so much, you become friends and, and, and you know, family, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, when you're going through that many episodes, that many series, that the, yeah. the longevity of those relationships is, is, is amazing. And that those people kind of pop up again and again on, on different shows. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. Um, and having done both live action and animated work, is there anything that animation gives you or allows you to do as an actor that potentially you don't really get to do as much of in live action? Like what is, if you're going to sell it to, to actors who maybe weren't sure <laughs> about whether or not to do it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, I think everybody wants to do uh, voice work. I think, uh, truly, I think everybody wants to do that because you, you, at the end of the day, you're not cold. You're not having to do certain things. And I love live action. I mean, you, you know, I, both are equally just so amazing and different in their own way. Um, with voice work, you get to, you, you get a broader, range you know you you can you can play a, a 90 year old um american man and then you can play like a in groove high like a 17 year old scottish girl you know you, you get you get that kind of that <laughs> the versatility the versatility thank you yeah you you, you just you, you're given those opportunities where um you might not necessarily get to do that on on screen it's a lot of fun yeah, the fun it seems so fun I think this is that every time I watch these shows I think they just it sounds like everyone's having a really great time making them we are honestly <laughs> it's good to have that confirmed I'm glad <laughs> um, are there any characters that you voice that you have a it feels like a mean question but that you have a, a particular affection for I love oh wow um hmm. yes <laughs> I love I love um scott and alan mm. is that coming from that you were a, a fan of thunderbirds before or yeah i i loved them as a kid and i love uh i love voicing them it's such an honor um uh, fleeker flugel i just love i think that's some of the best original content i've ever been a part of he's a prime example of somebody that is a buffoon but he's not Mm. so he will he will just kind of be hey look uh sky potato or something it just <laughs> you get the you get the leeway to do that so i'd say fleeker flugel is uh, i just love playing him um Amazing. scott and alan yeah again you know just just the history there and mm. they're so different and you have scott who's a real kind of you know forward thinking and alan's you know he's kind of a goofball but he still <laughs> does it um and I would say, oh man, yeah, Count Ducula again, just just incredible. Um, <laughs> and um, I love uh, uh, Walter as well from uh, yeah. Dennis and Nasha. He's just he's just so priggish. All the classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can he can just be just so cruel, but again, the fool, you know. I, I think, yeah, I I don't know. I love all of them, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose well with like the Tracy brothers it's a kind of in terms of that where to to pitch the size of those characters and stuff again yeah. it's not you can't I suppose go as 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 sort of wacky as as you might elsewhere because they're you know for one of that word like the straight man the yeah, kind of that's right um, yeah with Scott particularly I guess that's again knowing sort of the style and 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 yeah where to place yourself within that and the freedom to to do all of those different things yeah and and that was that was a little more uh sort of uh strict mm. um 
you know, in in a in a very self-imposed way as well. It was being able to do both characters when when we first went into um i mean i couldn't believe i got the gig first of all it was uh honestly i was just i'm smiling thinking about it now i didn't think i'd got it i thought you know uh, um and I, I was trying to think the other day who i based who i started to base uh scott tracy on and i remember going into the audition there was a show um called burn notice i don't know if you know that show <clears throat> Familiar, yeah, I, I think a few people. I can't remember the the name of the actor. He's, he's pretty good. Um, Jeffrey something, and it kind of talks a little like that, you know, a little <laughs> bit like. And I, I came in. I, I was very low and and very um, uh, forcibly low. And and when you then do another character, you try and make them different, right? Because it's in your mind. It's it's you doing them. Surely mm. the audience will t- will will be able to tell. So I think Scott was originally like, and Alan was pretty high. So it was, it was about, I remember the, the sort of first few scripts. I mean, that it, it takes, it takes a, a few scripts to really get into it. I, I remember. Um, and there's a kind of challenge there in, in the audition, I suppose, as well, that they're sort of setting up. Okay. Like, yeah. That, oh, amazing. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm not, I'm, I don't tend to be nervous in auditions. It's, you know, I, I'm just not that kind of guy, but man, was I, was I nervous. <laughs> Because it was just such a big deal, you know, and yeah, I um, when you asked me a moment ago, you know, which do I have an affinity for? I mean, it's it has to be those sort of iconic characters that you think, oh my goodness, I watched uh, Thunderbirds when I was a kid, and and uh, and and Thomas Sangster as well. He was the same. He was a, a huge Thunderbird nut when he was a kid, so it was a it was a big deal, yeah. And a lot of the shows that you have worked on, um, I mean, both in, in live action and and animation have had a kind of, there's been a lot of sci-fi, fantasy, supernatural mm-hmm. um, kind of bent. And I wondered, are those genres that you feel particularly at home in, that you're, that you're particularly drawn to? Um, no, honestly, I, I love every single piece of animation. So I, I'm not particularly... Um, drawn to any sort of genre i i do love i i, I would say you know comedy the comedy aspect um mm. is is a particular favorite but honestly i i, I love them all is that greedy it's probably greedy. <laughs> i don't think so i think that's <laughs> that's more than justifiable and i suppose as well with with those shows that are you know have a slightly kind of um an angle that is outside of our our reality at the same time especially with with children's shows they're always using that as, as a lens to explore things that are very real problems that, that children That's, face. And, and I love that. I, I think it's so important to, to, to teach, especially for younger children, to teach them in a fun way. So again, I go back to Flugels. They are the aliens coming down to earth to explore things that the children might know or might not know. So they are the ones that are learning. And it's really clever because they, ice cube for example what is this it's a it says it's water but it's hard and then you they learn uh and by proxy the audience learns and i think that that's just such a clever way of uh, delivering information yeah and clever is definitely the word but not in a kind of i guess cold way but in the sense that it's it's just ingenious it's it's a it wonderful is, yeah. way of, of trans- and i think as well the example that i was um 
think of is, is um, Rhesus Negative uh, from Scream Street, who you know right, is, is a vampire, right. but the kind of yeah. the problem is is living up to your parents' expectations, I guess, which is something that is incredibly relatable for for everyone of, of any age. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless Rhesus. Oh, bless him. His little cotton <laughs> socks. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you wish people knew about voiceover work that they perhaps don't? It, oh wow, that's a great question. Um, I think people think it's easier than it perhaps might actually be. It's not you don't just turn up and and hey, I can do a voice. It's it's really not that at all. It's mm. it's it's a lot of if you think about. I mean, I'm I'm um, fascinated with with the vocals uh, aspects of of singers of. Uh, performers anything like that and and the the minutiae of how their throat is how their neck is positioned and all that kind of stuff it's a science and an art right um so i think uh it's really crucial to practice and uh have as wide a range octave octively speaking as possible it's muscle memory effectively and and and, and the more you can sort of stretch that um that elasticity in your voice the better if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> it does it does it's, it's really interesting um and do you do you i guess find yourself then do you feel more in tune to to people's speech patterns and stuff like that is it something that you're picking up it makes you sound like a really strange superhero. <laughs> that's right yeah it's the weirdest kind of yeah um voice man <laughs> terrible i mean i I think there's something there. We can workshop it. It'll be fine. A lot of the people that I have spoken to so far have been writers, directors, producers. So it's really mm-hmm. exciting to get um, the perspective of someone who's who's coming to the children's sector from a very different angle. Yeah. Um, did you have a particular interest in working on children's shows or does it kind of just come with the, the territory of doing animation it comes with the territory because aside from um things like the simpsons and family guy and and south park it really all is for for children you know okay some might be a slightly older audience but ultimately it is um it's largely a a kid's world Mm. and i suppose unless you you watch a lot of of children's animation and and kind of see the the, the sheer variety of, of stuff that's on offer. Yeah. Um, you might have certain preconceptions about, you know, the style of the humor or, or like you say, like what, what kids telly is like. Is there anything mm. that has, has surprised you about working on children's shows, whether that's the, the stories or the characters, the issues, things like that? I'm always, I'm always surprised. I mean, I think Hilda's a wonderful example. That is truly a show for all audiences. Mm. And I am constantly told by by people in their 20s 30s 40s 50s how how much they love the show and watch it and I I I think I'm a big proponent of animation it was a huge part of my life as a kid really really huge part of my life and it's so important for for it to exist you know can you tell me a bit about you've touched on this a little bit talking uh, particularly about the flugels but in in Mm. your opinion having worked on so many of them what is it that makes a great animated show for children I genuinely think it's it's the comedy. I really do. I, I think it's allowing kids to be silly 
whilst learning a message and if even if they don't realize they're learning it they're sponges they're learning the message mm. uh, and it's it's really important i think um, especially at the moment as well it's something that um was touched on on uh, i was speaking to uh, jackie edwards yeah a while ago and she was saying that with with the way of the world at the moment yeah um as much as you know looking after kids mental health is 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 so important i mean the the, the value the power of of sheer entertainment and fantastic comedy has has probably mm-hmm. never been as as important as it is right now no it really hasn't because everybody needs that escape mm. and it's uh think things are you know moving in in the entertainment industry but um uh, in terms of animation we've been so lucky that it hasn't really stopped with with lockdown stuff you've still been able to record as much as possible or yeah i've, I've been i've been recording everything from home um which has been it's 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 fantastic but nothing can be an ensemble cast in a studio because you just bounce mm. off each other and you get ideas that you know you may not necessarily um get on your own but it's 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 been uh, it's it's been a bit of a blessing really just you know for for everyone's own sort of um mental sanity right to be able to carry on and yes, yeah. there's that kind of weirdness though where you sort of you know, switch off and, and leave the room and it's back to yeah back to life yeah back to life and it, it's you there i mean I, I i don't live in london so every time i would i would go into the studios in london it would be a day right it would be getting on the train da, 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 walking mm. to the thing then and there's a there's a clear separation there yeah work, work life here is is just well, taking the duvet off <laughs> you know well, roll out of bed yeah roll out of bed <laughs> yeah. um and again i'm jumping about all over the show but you've you've voiced characters on a number of reboots of absolute classics we've talked about them uh danger yeah. mouse thunderbirds ago dennis and nasher i mean i remember um particularly with dennis and nasher i think you used to get the beano as a kid yeah. oh yeah um oh yeah i mean at school i was always terrified of uh, breaking rules and yeah. i think would read the Beano and see Dennis the Menace and think that guy is he's, he's insane. a car he's 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 a card yeah, <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's a cheeky chappy it's amazing um and the escapism of that I guess if if, if you're always the person who's who's never going to step a toe out of line it's lovely to just think wow exactly, we'll yeah. get away with it yeah, um, yeah. but do those do those shows come with you've I mean, spoken a little bit about it but do they have mm. an additional sort of baggage for you going into them is there a kind of oh yeah I better get this right because there's so many people who who absolutely love them absolutely absolutely mm. especially with uh I would say Thunderbirds and um Count Duckula specifically um mm. they you know they wanted same same but different and all that kind of stuff so it is difficult to not try and try is the key word to emulate what had come before because they they just didn't want that um for the uh you know for for the versions that i was a part of um they they actively wanted something different especially for for count Duckula, i remember um dennis and nasha i mean that's gone through so many iterations um i was a part of actually the series prior to um the the current series and i played i played different characters altogether. um mm-hmm. So that was a little less because I knew it was a total reboot um, and I was, th- there was no connection between the series I had, I had done um, the year before and this one. So mm-hmm. it was a, a, a clean slate for me. 
And how do you prepare for those? And you like, I mean, if it's if it's they're looking for something very different, do you still go back and and, and watch what what was there before? Because is there a, is there an element of trying to retain some kind of essence so that not not so that mm. you're pleasing people, but you know, to find out what it was about those shows originally that people were so kind of obsessed with. It was, I think, the obsession, certainly from my point of view, recording them was having something that really made the characters unusual. Mm. Um, so when I did the the initial, the series of Dennis and Nasha before, <clears throat> um, one of the characters I played um, was um, Sergeant Slipper. And he was sort of, you know, slightly based him on Simon Farnaby. Um, <laughs> And he was uh, you know, just just vocally, of course. Yeah. Um, but I would also then add something that was a little uh, sort of improving. Um, I would add something where he was just a bit of a buffoon as well. And I remember this this one this one thing. He I just thought it would be funny because he that he doesn't have a sense of the time of day. And he knocks on the door and he, he just good afternoon. Just something, <laughs> just really, just silly. Like he and he, and he's being absolutely serious. Um, so then coming on to this uh, Dennis and Nash, I thought, well, he had the other Sergeant Slipper had something, and I'm playing Sergeant Slipper in the new one as well. I want him to have something different as well. Still a bit of that buffoonery, but I thought I'd try something a bit different vocally and it turned out I, I don't know I tried it I thought I'd make him have as little vowels as possible <laughs> and he sounds a little bit like I don't know a cross between the crow from Earthworm Jim and you know something like that and I thought oh that's that's interesting a character that that is pretty much all consonants yeah it's it's just those sorts of yeah unusual things i like to just be just for my own amusement really (laughs) (laughs) to be honest is there a point where you do that and people are like what are you doing it's like well no consonants like were you (laughs) yeah of course obviously no consonants um and 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 that's directed by dave peacock and i look at him he's he's my sort of um barometer if he's laughing i think okay here we go (laughs) Okay, it sounds like a kind of um, alchemy in a way that, like you say, I've taken this as the baseline. I'm going to add yeah. this little thing, try this little thing out, test the water here, and and those kind of provocations almost are like, what if we did it so that this was the kind of yeah, no consonants or or whatever else. Those yeah, sort of- it, it it is. It's you sort of build it. You think, oh, what's really silly? And and I I mean, not to my knowledge, has been done before, but yeah, no, all consonants. Why not? Is that a kind of technique you use quite often? That that um, coming up with a kind of I don't know what, what how I describe it like a one liner for a character. Being an idiot, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's basically what I do. Uh, yeah, you, you definitely need something to sink your teeth into, and that oftentimes takes a while to find. Like we talked about earlier, you might get to that destination at the end of at the end of the series, and you think, oh. And sometimes you know you're very lucky; you just stumble across something that's funny, or there'll be a suggestion from from the room um or you know another actor uh and you find it immediately um and it just works you know somehow (laughs) magic um i mean so before we kind of wrap up i guess is there any final words of wisdom you would have for anyone who wants to do voiceover work for animation yeah i i mean just keep at it try and pursue and get in there because it's it's worth it it's it's so worth it um 
and in, I was thinking about how to actually get into it these days. Um, you, it's important to have a, a voice reel, um, mm-hmm. and it's important to to a, a professional one. Um, and it's important, you know, you can put it on YouTube, even you can, you can email it to people, just, just get that voice demo and show your range, show that, show that you can hit those high notes and those low notes. And, and it's really important if you are doing that to do your own speaking voice, because oftentimes people want that as well. You know, if you're doing, um, a commercial or an audio book or whatever they, you know, you, you, you want to, you want them to hire your voice and then you can build around it. And um, just to keep practicing and, and I don't know, it, it's, it, I, I, the vocal science of it really, really fascinates me. Um, I am such a huge fan of um, vocal talent and I'll just go into one. I'm, I mean, a lot of my colleagues and friends know, and they're probably bored of me <laughs> saying this, but I'm, <laughs> I'm such, such a huge fan um, of uh, Lou Graham who is uh, was the lead singer of the band Foreigner. <clears throat> okay. And I really recommend everybody go and just listen to his live stuff. And you just think how how on earth can a human being have that range? I mean, it's <laughs> and and in full sort of voice and just having that golden voice aspect and it's um yeah, if oh just just study study that man's throat and then <laughs> you know try and try and apply that to your own uh sort of style and, and do different voices and then just yeah I, I honestly practicing is 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 the key I think keeping your instrument warm you know absolutely sound advice um wicked I mean the question that I always end on is what was your favorite tv show as a kid uh, the, the number one would be Transformers yeah a hundred percent I mean you know and, and the, the the incredible talents of a Frank Welker and uh, you know Corey Burton and 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 those kinds of people just that that real sort of they they voice multiple characters and and you know as you get older you go oh wow they they did that character as yeah. well that's what I find I think that is an absolute art and science together um, being able to just sometimes you can tell obviously naturally because it it is it is you it's one person doing the voices but mm. when you have to second guess yourself and you think hang on a minute is that no, that can't be the same person <laughs> because they're they're doing the same voice. And again, you know, I'm I'm nerding out here, but um, nerd away. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I believe Corey Burton he did the um, he did uh, Spike in the in the early ones, and he was kind of you know up here, and and then later he was down here. You know, when as the character got older, and it was seamless. I mean, genuinely mm. seamless. And and that to me is, you know, I, I take my hat off to people that really have that talent but I, I loved you know I loved Count Duckula was a huge one mm. uh, a little later on um uh Thunderbirds um I loved uh Inspector Gadget oh, um, Inspector Gadget Turtle was there, there was a live Cat. action movie of that wasn't there uh, I think so yeah with Did uh, I dream that <laughs> yeah with um with uh Ferris Bueller what was his name uh Matthew Broderick yes yes yeah. I never oh, saw no. that I never saw that I think I did. I think I need to go and watch it again. I think yeah. that's my... <laughs> Whilst doing a jigsaw puzzle of Inspector Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's that's everything that I've got. But um, thank you so much, Rasmus. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to, uh, to hear pleasure, about your work. Pleasure is all, all mine, Billy. Um, sorry to everyone listening for me just waffling on about <laughs> absolute nonsense for a lot of it. But it's... Um, I love this job. I love this career. I love... 
I have such a passion for it. Um, and it just, it's just so freeing to be able to, to voice these, these creatures. You have been listening to Even Baddies Wear Helmets. The podcast was hosted by me, Billy Collins, produced by Cloda Chapman with music from Finley Stafford and our lovely logo was designed by Lucy Tiller. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can find us on social media at Even Baddies Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe, share, tell your mates. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon.